Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're calling all you lovers out there, lovers and necrophiliacs. That's right. What's that face? Necrophiliacs? Yeah. That's disgusting. Well, is it? I don't know. I guess I wouldn't know. Well... I got a friend that says you never know what you don't like unless you don't try it. It's true. But uh, <laughs> don't with me. Let me go. <laughs> Not going to try it. Don't worry. <laughs> but either way, yes. Tonight, as we close out our Key West trip, we're going to share one of the most horrifying stories I remember hearing about when I was a child. And it's just... You just kind of look, and you have no words. You just, you have no words. Now, I don't even know what we're talking about, and I already have no words. You don't know what a necrophiliac is? Yeah, but I don't know the story, and I already have no words. Okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> now, as my listeners know, being buried alive is my greatest fear. But being a victim of a necrophiliac is probably my second. But you wouldn't know. Why would you be afraid? You wouldn't even know. Um, I my spirit will still be around. I will see what something, somebody is violating my body. I guess if you believe in that kind of thing, yeah. 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 Well, it, this is a paranormal yeah. well, podcast, I, know I, I think. I know that, but still, you wouldn't know. I would know. I'd be hanging around. Because here's the deal, Jeff, baby. All right. Please. <laughs> Jeff, baby, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I'm pleading now. I'm pleading now for you to make me that lemon tree. Okay? Okay. And don't fuck Le- with my body. Lemon I just, tree. Lemon tree. I need to know my body is safe. Lemon tree. And is bound to be a tree. Lemon body. Lemon body. That's right. <laughs> and I'm only saying this again because... As it happens, such was the situation we're going to talk about tonight. And again, I remember being probably a preteen and hearing about this disgusting scenario. And I think it really did scar me. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense, I suppose. All right. So let's get to the, let's go dark, darling. Let's go. But not that kind of dark. Let's just go. Get to the story. Tonight, we're going to talk about this guy in Florida, because, again, Florida. Born on February 8th, 1877 in Dresden, Germany. This guy, he goes by a couple of different names. George Carl Tanzer, just straight Carl Tanzer. 
But sometimes Carl von Kassel, Tanzer, or Count Carl von Kassel. I mean, the guy's got a lot of different names. And I think this is a true reflection of how insane in the membrane. He's a player. No, he is. He's insane. Now, obviously, from being from Germany, he's German. As a child, he traveled around in Europe. And one of his most poignant memory is actually while he was traveling through Italy, he started seeing the spirit of his deceased family member, the Countess Anna Constasia von Kassel. And... I mean, she's dead, so he's seeing her ghost. Right. And yeah. he's claiming, he's he claims, when all this goes down, he claims that Anna, Countess Anna, would tell him about this great love, this love of his life, that she would be this exotic, dark-haired woman, and, you know, this was it. This is all you needed. And But Carl, she's a kid at this point. And he moves on with his life. He's all, thanks, spirit auntie, you know. And, I mean, he even Peace, gets. I'm out. Right. Right. Thanks for your spirit talks. He goes on with his life. He hooks up with a chick named Doris Schaefer and marries her at 1920. And two years later, they have their first daughter, Aisha Tanzer. And later on, they would have a second daughter named Clarista in 1924. Then his mom's like, hey, Hey, darling, nothing's happening here in Germany. Uh, we just got our asses kicked in World War One, So why don't you try going abroad and go to America? So he sets his sails from Rotterdam on February 6, 1926, and he lands in Havana, Cuba. And bear in mind, this is when things were still good with Cuba. And from there, he journeys on to Cipherus, Florida, where his sister basically has already established a life there. Now, later, his wife and two kids would eventually join him. And by 1927, he actually lands a job as a radiology technician at a United States Marine Hospital in Key West, so essentially leaving his family behind. And then he kind of adopts his reported ancestral family name, of Carl von Kossel. Again, you know, going back to Countess von Kossel. And he's working there, you know, wheeling and dealing, because the guy is actually McShady. He claims to have, like, 19 degrees and speaks all these different languages, and, you know, he's living the good life in his mind. He's a conner. It's a con. <sighs> well, yeah, but he he's crazy. He's a crazy con. We'll call him CC. So he's living his La Vida Loca life down in Key West, telling all his lies, being Cece. And on April 22nd, 1930, in walks Maria Elena Malagro de Hoyos as a patient there. And he takes one look at this beautiful Cuban-American, and it's like, holy shit, this is the chick. This is the girl. This is... The what, love of my life. Right. This is what Auntie Ghosty Anna has been telling me about since I was a kid. This is her. But the sad thing is, and the reason why she's now a patient, is because 
it's believed that she's very sick and potentially has tuberculosis. So he starts, you know, he does his his job and determines that, yes, she does actually have a tuberculosis. And he literally starts doing everything he can to save her and to prevent her from dying from TB. And... Which at that time, almost everybody died if they had TB. Correct. Correct. Now, let's talk a little bit about Maria Elena real quick. At the time that he met her, she was 21, 22, and she is actually the daughter of a local cigar maker, and she's like the middle child. She's got an older sister named Florinda and a younger sister named Cecilia, and she's actually married. She married a gentleman by the name of Luis Mesa on February 18, 1926, so, you know, four years before she gets tuberculosis and her husband actually deserts her after she miscarries their child he he goes to miami he's like peace i'm out correct miami vice time i mean and it's weird because i kind of tried to find some more additional information and i wonder just kind of wondering if he had only married her because she'd gotten pregnant and when she lost the kid he was like i'm out i mean could have been that, to me, makes a little sense. Some people do that kind of thing. Either way, fast forward to 1930. Carl's found the love of his life. Mm-hmm. He's going to do everything he can to save her. He's even moving the x-ray machine into her house. He's putting, giving her this medicine, He's going creating this essential oil scenario, burning this, burning that, You know, even to the point where he's giving her some treatments that are very painful to her. He's not a doctor. You understand? No. He's but he plays one. On TV, yes. So either way, all the while he's doing this, he's like, my love, I've bought you perfume, jewelry, fruits, candies. I mean, he's just giving her all these luxurious gifts. And basically his end game here is even though she's married, even though he's married, he's like, baby, marry me. Be my wife. And, I mean, he even buys this beautiful mahogany bed that eventually becomes her deathbed. And it doesn't matter. She's like, no, 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 no. She she accepts his gift and she's hoping that all of his ideas work. And her, her family actually goes along with this, again, hoping that something he's got in terms of his magic bag will save her life. However, a magic bag or a con bag? Both. CC. Doesn't matter. Like you said earlier, pretty much everyone with tuberculosis dies. Yeah, at that time. And so on October 25th, 1931, she meets her maker. And Carl is like, I'm going I would love to pay for her funeral costs and I will pay for the construction of this beautiful mausoleum in the cemetery. And the family's like, "Oh, okay, sure." We know you really liked her, and so he does. But he makes only one key, and he keeps it for himself. And he guesses why? Well, I'm assuming if we're talking about necrophiliaism, he was having sex with her he would after go she died. And visit her every day for essentially two years. Fuck, gross. Yes. Okay. And I even read that he even installed a telephone line to her mausoleum, to her crypt, so that he can continue speaking to her maybe throughout the day. But again, as a deceased person, she's not answering. If that's true, if it's accurate. I'm just, 
I'm just going to point out facts. Either way, he continues. So he's talking to a ringing phone. Who knows? We're talking CC here. Crazy con. Crazy. But he still continues to bring her gifts. He he swears that she's talking to him. They're they're having their love story play out. Is that mausoleum still there? Can we go visit her? Uh, I'm not sure if that one is still there. That's a great question. My assumption is yes, because, I mean, I don't know if you can destroy a mausoleum in the cemetery. Now, again, during this two-year of maybe what he considers courting, he will later claim that he is, you know, professing his love, that he's always serenading her with her favorite Spanish song, and she would, her in spirit, would come, and he he actually would, he actually, I just, it's like, the words are, you're reading the words, and you're just finding it unfathomable, but he would claim that she would, like, ask him to take her home from the mausoleum and be with him. And so, eventually, in April of 1933... He does that. No. Yes. He wheels a toy wagon through the cemetery, puts her body in it, and wheels her home to his house. Now, he, and I'm assuming he must have leaned on the family or, because he, once he gets her home, he dresses her body into her actual clothing. We're talking stockings, gloves, jewelry. And he kept her body, her, you know, decomposing body, in his own bed. So they slept together. And as she was breaking down. That's love, baby. No. That's, that is insane in the motherfucking membrane. I just. Sleep next to your dead love of your life. That's that's true love. No. Yes. That's vulgar. It's so disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting, but it's true love. <laughs> it's something because, I mean, the smell alone would have made me vomit. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. But, I mean, and speaking of which, because, I mean, like I said, she's decaying. She's yeah. dead. Her yeah, body's yeah, dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. He begins to attach her bones together with wire and coat hangers. And at one point in time, he even replaces her eyes with glass eyes. And... When her skin begins to rot and worms start crawling through her skin, he plucks out these worms and he's just like, baby, I'm, I'm making you look great. Like, like. <laughs> it's fucking gross. I know. It's Plucking worms gross, out of the man. skin, guys. It's anyway, so gross. He begins Where do to you find this shit. <laughs> Don't you? This was the story that scarred me when I was a teenager. How did you hear this? Your mom told you this story when no, you were a teenager? No, it was on TV. It was like, you know how they used to have, because paranormal shows were not the jam in the 1980s. Uh, yeah. This was like a late night, Friday night, paranormal haunted stories what scenario. What are you doing up at that time of the night? You're a kid. Shouldn't you be sleeping? I'm sure it was during the summer months. <laughs> Anyways. So he, in order to keep her kind of together, especially with the skin, he tries to fix the damage with this silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster of Paris. And as you know, you know, it's the liquid 
that primarily keeps our body kind of stuff and fluff. And when you're dead, you le- you leak that liquid out or they remove it. So what he does to keep her original form is he basically stuffs her with stuff to keep the abdominal and the chest cavity. And well, you said he was plaster of Paris or for her face, like a, for her like skin. A cast. Yes. Like putting her in a cast. Right. And then when she lost her hair, and again, I'm not sure how he managed to do this, but he had previously, at some point in time, managed to get clippings of her hair barred to her death that he managed to get fashioned to a wig. Now she's got plaster Paris on her face. She's got glass eyes. She's got this wig that was oh, once yeah, her hair. Yeah. And she's stuffed, literally stuffed. Poor girl. Well, she's dead. She doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't matter. Just the fact that, I mean. And then on top and he's, of. And he's humping her this whole entire time. Yes. That's gross. I know. And again, in addition to fighting the decomposition, the decaying that is occurring, he is utilizing preserving agents, disinfectants, and perfume to mask the, the, stench? the stench of decay. Yes. Does he not have neighbors? Because you would think I, they would I don't smell know. that it's crap. The 1930s, I, I'm not even certain there's indoor plumbing. Some of these places that get built, I just... I think most of them had indoor plumbing by then, maybe, I'd hope. Either way, but still. sometime in October 1940, so he keeps her... Ten years? Try seven. Seven years, okay. Kind of like years. six and a half. Fucking gross. After hearing horrible rumors that the man had her sister, Florinda, goes to his house and supposedly catches him dancing with her body in front of an open window. Because, I mean, he's got the love of his life. He's got to entertain her. He's got to keep her happy. He's got to show her his How love is and she affection. Not falling apart. I told you. Oh, wire, coat hangers. And yes. Wire. So she sees this disgusting situation with her sister's body. And she does exactly what the fuck I would have done. She goes right to the police. And she's like, he's got her body. The room, They're not rumors. These are true. So the cops roll up. And they're like, we have to arrest you. I, we're not sure we're good at what, what was happening here. We just have to arrest you. And they do. And... They even take him down to to get examined by some medical doctors, you know, some psychologists. Psychiatric testing. Correct. And believe it or not, despite this disgusting and horrifying situation, they find him mentally competent to stand trial. And what they come up with is the charge of wantingly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. So, so he's a grave robber. P- pretty much. That's all they're pinning on him at this point. Well, I mean, is there, is there anything else you could pin on him besides grave robbery? <laughs> Even today, I mean, what would they do I don't you? know, but it's still a violation of someone's body. They weren't married, and even if they were, that does not give him permission to abuse her body. Anyways... All the while, he's getting examined. Elena's body gets examined, basically has a second autopsy to kind of figure out what the fuck did he do to her. And 
It gets examined by some doctors and theologists by the name of Dr. Pipo and Dr. Foraker. I mean, he does provide, because he was questioned, how he was trying to preserve her. And he's like, well, here's my chemistry set that I use to preserve her body. My my grade school chemistry set. Correct, right? <laughs> my, right next to my elementary rocket. Well, the science guy. And... That's when they discover the paper tube inserted into her vagina for the purpose of preserving. Because remember, like I said earlier, when the juices get out of the body, things start collapsing onto itself. So <laughs> Get the hell out of here. He had to preserve. That is disgusting. The entrance for penetration. And his choice was. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep anymore. Ever. A paper tube. Disgusting. (laughs) Okay. Now, bear in mind, and I don't know why they did this. There's a couple of things that's going to happen right now that I don't know why they did this. This is just unfathomable to me. They decide not to make public the vaginal tube. Because, I mean, they even find the semen. So there's just... There's six years of it in there. They don't publicize this information. It's mm-hmm. enough to let people imagine that this happened. Because why else do you keep the corpse of the quote-unquote the love of your life? What are you doing with it? Yeah, we all know. Mm-hmm. So they do not dis- disclose this information, even though it's pretty obvious. I mean, people aren't that stupid. But I, they might be based on what happens next. It could have been back then. Anyways, they keep this information, hush, hush, until like 1972 after he's dead, which I don't even know why they did this. Why do you do this? Why are you protecting a a A psycho crazy man? And then they do something else that I just, they decide to put her body on public display at the Dean Lopez funeral home. What the fuck? Parlor. Yeah. And... Literally, people, I I mean, this is a huge media fest, but literally people from all over swarm this funeral home, and it's so insane to me, this is so insane, that they were even allowing children to take field trips to this funeral parlor to visit this poor woman's decayed body. Okay. What the fuck is wrong yes. with these people? I told you, I don't these understand. These people are fucking crazy. Who the fuck thought this was a great idea? So kids are going to, you know, we're going to go see hey, the Mom, dead body. Dad, we went and saw a dead chick that's been dead for years. That's her body's getting violated, violated by Carl. for six years. And we're talking almost 7,000 visitors. Oh my God, that's disgusting. In the meantime, Carl goes to court. His court date is October 9th, 1940. And again, he's brought up on the charges of wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. And the information of him violating this poor woman's body didn't even come up. Does not even get released. Like I said earlier, this is a media frenzy. The courthouse is packed with the with the media and believe it or not, again, I don't know what the fuck people are thinking, but sympathists literally flock to the courthouse and they're like, 
He was just trying to be with his love. That's it, exactly. There's this massive outpouring of support for fucking Carl. Literally, that's his name. He is fucking Carl, okay? They're like, he was just in love. You know, that is... That's touching. Eccentric, romantic, but baby, that's real love. True love. And would you fucking believe the jurors find that no actual law has been broken, and in fact, the charges of the malicious and violating or removing a grave had had expired. The, the statute of limitation like expired. Statute of limitation, yeah. So he gets scot off free. Woo, love. <laughs> Just <laughs> gross. And th- and after all of this, after this media frenzy. After he has got to know that they, he knows that they know that they know what he did, he decides to push his luck even further, and he requests that her body be returned to him. And the judge loses his shit, and he's like, "You're fucking crazy, man!" In fact, I order that her body be placed in an unmarked grave, and you will never see. This poor woman again. I mean, the judge is all the only person who's got his head on right, and he's like, "I, I, I have to be the only source Same of person. sanity here." Fucking people roll up thinking this is so romantic, and I mean, we're it's serious. true love, darling. No, so that's what happens. They rebury her in an unmarked grave in the cemetery. And Carl never gets to see her again. Have they marked her grave since he died? That's a great question. I actually don't know that answer. Now, after all of this, and and believe it or not, Carl's bitter. He didn't get her back. He was found not guilty of any crime. Why are you taking her away from me? He's pissed off. Now, in 1944, after all this is over, he moves to Pasco County, Florida, which is close to the Sephirillas, where his wife and daughters are. And I and I, I don't even, again, we have got to be How the only they, voice so, of reason. So, wait, what, what happens with his wife? and She continues to support him. While he was on trial? She, she I knew about all this? Everybody knows about it. All of America knows about this. And she stayed with him? She sticks it out. But, I mean, he does not move back with her. But she does continue to support him. And then he decides to provide an autobiography that appears in a pulp publication called The Fantastic Adventures in 1947. And this is where he tells his story. And this magazine is like an eccentric lover or crazy guy. You decide. And it's like, no. He's disgusting. You people are making a buck after this horrific, disgusting, vile situation. And but I, is he, though? Is he really disgusting and Yes! Vile? It's not true love. You should have seen your face when I told you there was a tube in the poor woman's vagina. <laughs> it's fucking gross. You're going to make me a lemon tree. <laughs> lemon tree. God. Anyways... And then, again, America, why? He 
eventually gets awarded American citizenship in 1947. So, I mean, he's just here on a work visa, I guess. I'm not sure how he got away with it in the 1930s and 40s. But then he becomes an American citizen. He goes on with his life. You telling anybody who will listen how he was a victim because he lost the love of his life. And he dies on July 3rd, 1952. And when they find his body, they find it kind of like, like he maybe died instantly because it's like on the floor behind one of his organs. Because that was the other thing. He would sing to her, play his organ. And they think he had passed like three weeks prior. And when they find him, they also find a life-size replica of poor Maria, like a mannequin reproduction that featured her face mask. So he basically created another effigy of her. What a weirdo. And kept the love going. So he got to keep his life, the love of his life. He just reinvented her. Like Frankenstein. Uh, right. I mean, there's rumors, or I read that some people said that she, he actually found her in the unmarked grave and swapped out bodies. I am not in that uh, belief. Yeah. So, that's it. That's disgusting. That is the story. How do you expect me to sleep? I don't know. That is, that, but I mean, like I said, tonight's all about lovers and necrophiliacs. all right on to business facebook 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 i have a facebook page and if you are curious or interested and would like to join send me a request in the meantime if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have another unbelievable story like please no necrophiliac stories I've had enough of those. If I never had to hear about another one of those, I'd be happy. Send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Final thoughts, husband Jeff. Yeah, some people are just fucking disgusting and crazy. Yeah. Carl. Carl's gross. Yeah. That's putting it mildly. All right. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are.